Second Corinthians chapter seven. Second Corinthians chapter seven. Here in just a moment, we'll read verses one through four. Second Corinthians chapter seven. Would you pray with me? Father, we are bowing before you now as we open up the word, your precious word, the inspired God breathed word. And I pray that this morning that you will do a definite work in our lives, in our church, Lord, in our community. And I pray that you would give me unction, Lord. I confess I have no power apart from thee. So I yield myself to you, Lord. And I just trust you will be able to use the words that I say. And I pray they'll be honoring to you and helpful to the brethren and perhaps someone that is here with us without Christ. Oh, Lord, may you use your word today in our lives. We ask it in Jesus name, trusting that you will. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Here we have the Apostle Paul writing a follow-up letter to the church in Corinth about the fact that their response in reference to their response to his first letter. And the response is good. The response is encouraging to the Apostle Paul. Uh, he is thankful that they uh, indeed listened to what he spoke to them about. There was so much division in the church. There were sexual sins. There was, there was division. Uh, there was uh, bitterness. Uh, there were uh, an abuse of spiritual gifts in the church and, and so much more. And he wrote a hard letter to them, uh, rebuking them and confronting them and correcting them. And thankfully, church, they responded well. There was repentance. There was revival. And that is the point uh, that we see here. And with that very subject is what I want to speak on tonight, this morning. It's a topical message, and it is the topic of knowing when to speak up. Last week, we dealt with knowing when to be quiet. Both of those take great discipline. Amen? Uh, a growing and maturing in our faith to be led by the Holy Spirit when we are using our tongue or not using our tongue as as believers. You know, on average, researchers, whoever they may be, say that women speak 16,250 words per day. Now, men, don't get too excited because 
It is research that men speak 15,669 words per day. Uh, that was what the latest research was from what I could find in, in, in my looking at the different aspects. But uh, one guy said that that's not what his research was. He found that women spoke 16,000 words and he read this article to his wife and he said that women are recorded to uh, women are 16,000 and men are recorded as 7,000 words. And she chuckled and said, yeah, that's because we always have to repeat ourselves to men. And he said, do what? <laughs> exactly. We use a lot of words, don't we? Every day. We're talking, speaking to one another in some way. And church, God wants us to know when and how to speak up. So I want to bring out several points this uh, morning that I hope will be a help to us. I will not cover all the areas we need to speak up. I'm sure you will think of others. But with the Lord's help, this is what God has put upon my heart uh, to share it with you. Again, last week we looked at the importance of knowing when to be quiet. This time, this week, we look at the importance of speaking up. And all the following points that I will give you this morning, I want us to understand very clearly that in all of these points, we must first speak to God about every one of them. God is the first one we speak up to. He is the first one that we go to in every context. I find in my Bible that seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God is first and foremost the one we go to. But then there is an absolute necessity that we go to each other in times that we speak up with one another. And even to ourselves for that matter. That is necessary. Let me share these with you, and I'm going to be looking at some scriptures. Some we will go to, some we'll put up on the screen to uh, try to conserve some time. But notice with me, number one, if you're taking notes, I believe we need to speak up when, when, when you are in bondage to sin or troubled about some spiritual struggle. That is a time to speak up. The Bible gives us clear direction that when we struggle, and by the way, we all struggle. Every one of us here struggles in some way. And the Lord has designed it to where not only do we go to Him first to talk about that struggle, to confess that sin and to ask for strength, but then He gives us the avenue of finding others who that are spiritual and that can help us and encourage us in our struggles. James 5.16 he says very clearly, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. Why? Why do that? What does the Bible say? Why do we confess our faults to one another and why do we pray for one another? You may be healed. See, there's healing and confession to the Lord, number one, but then there is healing and confessing to one another. Now, we understand that is not to be abused or to be excessive. That is with balance and led by the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters who are trustworthy, even our spouses and, uh, and, and our pastors, spiritual leaders, Sunday school teachers. It is done in the right context with the right motivation. But listen, 
I'm telling you right now, each one of us needs to take heed. If you have a spiritual struggle in your life right now, let me tell you, you are wrong if you are not confessing it to someone else besides God. You confess it to the Lord, He will forgive you, but there needs to be a time, if it's a constant struggle, that somebody that is a, uh, that is a brother and sister in Christ that you know will encourage you, you share that with them. It's not about announcing it to the world. But there comes that accountability. And I'm thankful that God has made it that way so that we can find healing. Does it mean that we have to go to each other every time we sin? No. But understand the spirit of what I'm saying here. You are struggling. It's a common struggle. It's an obvious struggle. Go to someone and speak up so that you can find healing. Number two, we need to speak up if you are discouraged or depressed. I can't imagine there not being someone here today that perhaps is struggling with depression. Maybe at this moment, maybe you're battling with some uh, just discouragement. And the Bible has made it clear that we are to, to go to one another and, and to be able to bear one another's burdens. We actually talked about that last week, remember? God has designed us to bear one another's burdens we all go through seasons of discouragement. And we need to be sensitive to that. I, I just think about the fact that it is so important that we as believers, even here this morning, that we consider each other. And I, I think that we should look at each other and, and watch each other. Sometimes we, in the hustle and bustle, we just breeze by one another. But it's good to, to look at each other's faces and, and, and to, to know each other. And, and not just be superficial in our relationships, but to, to not be nosy, but at the same time, be sensitive to what somebody might be experiencing in that week of their life, that month. Um, it's, it's very important. I think of what Paul testified of, of somebody that had helped him in a time of bondage and discouragement and loneliness. Most definitely. But Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, he says this to Timothy as he writes. He says, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. He says, For he oft refreshed me, and notice what he says, and was not ashamed of my chain. May God raise up a group of believers in this church who will not be ashamed of someone else's chain. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe it's a struggle with a sin. Maybe it's not a sin, but it's a definite struggle of depression, discouragement. May God raise up believers in this church who we will make it a point to go and refresh one another. To be intentional. And that is God's will for us. And we got to be willing to speak up when you're discouraged. Uh, listen, I want to tell you something that will help you, church. It will help you. Is when you can call somebody and very honestly say, I'm struggling. Please pray for me today. It'll help you. You know why? Because it's humility. It's humility. And the Bible says that if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. And when we get a habit of humbling ourselves with God and with each other, there is a supernatural 
lifting that comes from the hand of the Almighty. He lifts us. I kind of say it like this. We do the lowering. God does the lifting. That's the design of God Almighty. Number three, we need to speak up when there is a brother or sister who is in sin or headed towards sin. It's very clear in Scripture that the Bible says that we are to seek to restore those that are, have fallen in the spirit of meekness. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, notice this phrase right here, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's self-control, humility. You don't do it arrogantly. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We have a mandate in Scripture, brethren. And we must not ignore it. That when you know, you know, not just hearsay, not gossip, but when you know, first-hand account, that someone is in sin or headed in that direction, you have a mandate in Scripture to go to them lovingly, humbly, respectfully, and confront them in a spirit of meekness, saying, Brothers, I'm concerned, I'm worried about this. Can you explain what's going on? I'm here to help you. I love you. Those are the terms that you and I should have when we go. Because listen, it could be the next year or the next week that the tables are turned. Because we're not always spiritual. Sometimes the tables will turn and you will be that one. And that brother or sister will be coming to you and say, Well, I've noticed that you've been real just unkind recently. You've been, it seems like you're bitter. It just seems like something's going on in your life. I've seen this. I've, I've saw this. And you have to respond. The tables will turn. But it's so important. Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. That word secret is the kind of idea of hidden love. Listen, there's no such thing as hidden love. Love is open. Love is real. Love is transparent. Love is humble. Love is caring. Love is active. Love is engaged. That's what real love is. But those that, that, that someone would say, no, I don't want to say anything because I love them, do not understand God's love in the Scriptures. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I like what Charles Bridges said. He said, This idea of rebuke, it is kindly, considerately, and prayerfully administered. Can I say that again? This idea of rebuke, of, of confronting a brother and sister in Christ, this idea of rebuke is kindly, considerately, and prayerfully administered. That is so important for us. It cements friendship rather than weakens it. And the times, at least in my experience, when a brother or sister has come to me and has talked to me about a sin in my life, it has actually strengthened our relationship. And that's beautiful. Because that's a mutual agreement that we're both growing in Christ. <laughs> we both need to be making changes. And so it's something that we should all welcome but it's going to take a matter of you speaking up and me speaking up. Because then there's the devil and he always wants to throw a, 
a wrench in things and he wants to throw confusion because what he'll say, he'll say this. No, you can't do that. That's judging. Listen, we have complete authority in the word of God to judge righteous judgment. The wrong kind of judgment is that which there is sin in our own lives and then we go to another person about a sin in theirs and we're not dealing with our own issues. That's wrong kind of judgment. But there is a time that we do go to each other. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> How, what, would, what would you think? What do you think about a lifeguard who, who's on one of those big high chairs on the beach and and there's a, he's got a, there's a shark watch out, you know, and he's telling the swimmers, he's blowing his whistle. He's blowing it over and over. And of course, you're out there in the water having a good time, crashing in the waves, riding the waves, whatever, and he's, he's, this is the signal. Come on in. There's, there's been a shark sighting, or more than one, and, uh, and by the way, he wouldn't have to wave but once for me, if I'm out there. But the truth of the matter is, as he is uh, doing that, no one really in their right mind would think it strange or any inappropriate that a lifeguard would do that. Well, church, neither should we think it wrong when we are confronted or rebuked or warned in some way. It should not be strange. It should not be inappropriate. It should be welcomed. Number four, we should speak up when we have offended so when we have been offended, this one, again, will take humility. We'll have to swallow our pride. Because sometimes the person may not realize it, even though they may. Sometimes they do realize it. But you, gotta, you and I have to learn to speak up when we've been offended by someone else. Matthew 18.15, Jesus makes it clear. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Okay, so that's somebody that's offended you. Or sinned against you in some way. It says, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So you're going privately. This is not gossip. This is not a, a, a public announcement. This is a private encounter over the phone, through a text, in person. And then it says, if he shall hear thee, which that's the goal, you go in humility. Notice what the Bible says. Thou hast gained thy brother. That's the Bible way. That is what God is calling you and me to do when there's an offense. And we do offend each other. We're human. You spouses, you husband and wives, there'll be times you'll offend each other. Kids, same way. Brothers and sisters, you'll offend each other. Make it right. Parents and kids, church members, there'll be times that we do that. Maybe it's cause of negligence. Maybe it's carelessness. Maybe it was total, total accident. Maybe somebody looked at you the wrong way and, and they didn't even realize they had that expression on their face. You walked in and, boy, they just looked like they were mad at you. Church, you don't ever know. I mean, maybe they had gas that morning. I know what some of you are already thinking. They must have gas every Sunday. But, you know, don't just jump to conclusions, you know. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we can be so sensitive to the point where we get offended so easily. But if you have been, you have a mandate from Scripture for me and you to go to that person and love and say, you know, I just want to share something with you that's on my heart. And, and I didn't want to carry this along. Because when we do that, you know, you know what we don't do, church? 
we don't give the devil any room to cause bitterness in our life. When we get humble and just go to the person, because what you're basically saying is like, I love you, and, and I, I just, but this, uh, this, this offended me, or this situation is offensive, and, and I, I gotta come to you about it. And, and for you not to get bitter about that is not giving any devil any playground. You're not giving place to the devil. And that is so important. So don't let the offense fester up inside. It'll cause a lot of problems. I tell you, I was camping this past summer and we keep Gracie's food, our yellow lab, we keep it in a, like a four gallon tub container. It's sealed tightly, but I guess it got a crack in it or something. We had a couple downpours come when we were camping. Thought I had it sealed up, but evidently it wasn't. Got a little water in it. And um, just down the edges, too. So you have this wide container, this dry dog food, and the water got down on the side. And Brother Arthur, I want to tell you, man, it started stinking. But I was like, you know what? I can still give her the dry part. You know, so I tried to get the wet stuff out. But what I have found as as time went on is that wetness, that little bit of wet dog food along the edges had really contaminated all the other and, and ruined all the other dog food. And that Gracie was getting to where she wouldn't touch it. And uh, I kind of had the philosophy that, look, if she's hungry, she's going to eat it. But I found out quickly, my dog is on a serious diet right now because she's not eating anything. So what did I have to do? I had to end up chunking the whole thing out, washing it out real good, putting fresh dog food on, and, and, and then she was a very happy yellow lab. Can I tell you something? Sometimes there's a little water of bitterness that will trickle down the side of your heart just because what somebody said or what somebody did. And what you need to do is you need to get that right because it is, it is controlling you. It's ruining the rest of you. It's affecting everybody around you. Get it out. Confess it. Go to the person. If need be, you can go to them in humility. If they don't listen or they don't care, that's all right. Just move on with life. And then just be clean. Just be relieved of that. Get that out. Wash that out. And just move on in life. Speak up. But you got to speak up. You can't remain silent. Number five, moving quickly. We need to speak up. When you see someone going through a hard time, again, going back to what I said earlier, being observant and trying to reach out to those that you know are being faced, maybe attacked by the devil, maybe they've made some bad decisions. I do believe we need a renewal of compassion. Not that you ignore confronting things. I've already mentioned that, haven't I? But you have a sensitivity to somebody that's just struggling spiritually. Or maybe they're just, have been attacked. And you go to them. And you share a word of encouragement. Maybe, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. Hey, I know what you're going through. Hey, I want you to know we love you. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you. The Bible says, like in Proverbs 25:11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. It's a beautiful presentation there of somebody coming with a assortment, a basket that's made of silver and apples of gold. It's that manner in which it's delivered. There's a sincerity there, a genuineness. Proverbs 15:23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, let's say that together, 
How good is it? That is so true. A good word. Proverbs 12.25 says, Heaviness is in the heart of a man. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. Let me ask you something, church. Do the words that you speak daily, do they offer hope? I mean, you're just your daily conversation, even with your children or your family members, your neighbor, your co-workers. Your speech, does, it, does your speech in general offer hope? I catch myself more times than I want to admit that the way that I speak to my children, I have to be honest with myself. And man, that was not offering hope. And church, we need to make it a point that when we speak, we're offering people hope. Because you know, even in correction, and especially in times of con- correction or confrontation, there always needs to be uh, an equal amount of hope offered. Sometimes we just like, oh, you just want to, we don't make it, make them feel it, make it dig. That's where we get our satisfaction. Well, folks, that's carnal. And that's not of God. Let our speech offer hope. Number six, speak up when we see a need that needs to be fulfilled. Uh, that's, again, only coming by observance. Whether you hear it or see it, there's a need that you see. A, a family, a person, an individual, a, a ministry, a class, or whatever it may be. You speak up when you see a need. I hope you will. I hope you will make an effort to do that in your Christian walk. I think of Proverbs 3.27. It says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. We come to that one every time in our, we try to read through the Proverbs as a family right after our meals, after supper. Don't always get it, but we try to. And when we get to uh, the, the, the 21st day of the month, we get to that one and our kids are always intrigued by that. Dad, what does that mean? That you won't be heard. And it gives me a chance to teach them that says, kids, you gotta have a sensitivity to people who are in need. Poor people. Maybe going through a situation that they need help, they need a hand, and God wants us to be very sensitive to that. He wants us to be looking for it in a way that we can help them. And, and of course, we all understand there, there there's a balance to that. We don't want to enable someone, but we do want to be compassionate and offer that hand. And that's what God desires us to do. Proverbs tells us that in 24, 2, uh, 24, 11, and 12. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? We have an obligation, don't we? I hope you will as a church. <laughs> because, hey... Two eyes, I can see a lot, you out here today, but I'm telling you right now, 
If I'm looking at 120 people here, that's a lot more eyes. And I look to you to see around us in the needs of our church. And I hope that we can encourage each other and help each other in that. And I believe we are, but we must not slow up. James dealt with that in chapter 4 to people that that basically were putting procrastinating helping others, saying, oh, we'll have another day. They were boasting in tomorrow. And he said this in chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's a serious thing to neglect doing something we know is right, and especially in this context of helping someone going through a hard time. Number seven, we must speak up when we have opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. We're coming up on standing all of the Great Commission, our missions conference, coming up because we we understand how important it is for God's people to speak up with the gospel. Preach the gospel is what it means. You know, everybody in here is called to preach the gospel. If you believe that, would you say amen? Everybody, every woman, man, boy and girl that is saved by the blood of Christ, by the grace of God, you are called to preach Proclaim the gospel. Mark sixteen fifteen. Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm thankful the Holy Spirit said every creature, that's every creation, every human being, we should try to get the gospel to. But we've got to speak up. And a lot of God's people are not speaking up. There's a lot of times that Pastor Brinson Jennings does not speak up like he should and proclaim the gospel. But we need to grow in this. Let me ask you this morning. Do you actively proclaim the gospel? And I say actively. I'm not saying anything legalistic here. I'm just saying as a habit. I'm not asking you how many times you do it. But do you do it as a habit? Do you do it often? Speak up. Do you pray for divine appointments daily? A time that you can speak up with the gospel? I wonder how many here this morning would say, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to share the gospel with at least one person this week. you imagine if all 120 of us, and that's just I'm just guessing, I don't know, maybe 130, I don't know. Could you imagine if all 130 of us prayed that prayer every day this week, and God actually, God actually answered that prayer. Imagine God answering that prayer. I say that a little bit facetiously. I believe He will answer that prayer. But if we all prayed it, can you imagine that would mean we would have 120 people that we could share the gospel with this week? And I would almost guarantee, and I'm not about keeping numbers, I would almost guarantee that if we all did that faithfully, there would at least be one, if not more, person that trusts Christ as Savior. I believe that. But that's what we got to do daily. Lord, would you give me an opportunity, a divine appointment to share the gospel today? Because you realize most of the times that we shared it, it would be received most likely. But most people aren't going to receive. But if we're all doing it, we're going to see more people trust Christ. 
So I'm praying that God would send a revival in the hearts of Crooked Creek Baptist Church. And we would pray that every day. Lord, give me a divine appointment to share the Word of God today. I hope you'll pray that with me. I believe God will answer that prayer. What if you had a cure for COVID? I know you would do everything in your power to make it known to as many people as you could. The same with cancer. At least I hope you would. What about the cure for sin and its penalty? We have that, don't we? We have it. (laughs) Praise God, we have it. I don't even have to be carrying anything because, praise God, it's in my heart. No man can take it from me. It's there. It's my faith in Christ and the Gospel. That Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day. No man can take that from me. No man can take that from you. You see, we have this treasure in earthen vessel that the power of God is not of us. It is, but it is of God. And so, brethren, we have a command to speak up when it comes to the gospel. And let's stop being so quiet with this precious cure for the sin curse that is upon mankind. And then, number eight, we must speak up for those that are oppressed and abused. You know, there's, it's so important. There's a lot of people around us who are oppressed and abused. We need to speak up. Proverbs 31.9 says this. This advice from a mother to a king. He says, she says, he says here in the Word of God, open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. This poor carries the idea, if you look at it in the Hebrew context, it actually carries the idea of afflicted. Those that are afflicted. And the word needy here, actually, if you look at it, it even carries the idea, connotation of being abused. And as a king, as a righteous king, but not as a righteous king, but as believers, we ought to be ready to speak up for those that have been abused. We ought to be able to stand up and take up for those that have been afflicted. It is so important. I think about defending the helpless. One, one of the first things that comes to my mind is abortion. As Christians, we have a mandate and a responsibility to speak up for the voiceless. To speak up for that unborn child. That they do, they are a life at conception. They are a life that is created in the image of God. They are a life that matters. And they should not be murdered. They should have a life like the rest of us. And as Christians, we must stand up to that. We must speak up. It amazes me, brethren, at the, the, the amount of even Christianity that's getting softer on the stance against abortion. It breaks my heart, in fact. No, my friends, we have to stand up to that. I'm thankful for our congressman, Andrew Clyde, who just a few days ago stood on the House floor and just gave an excellent speech against this recent bill that the Democrats have put forth. It it is clear what they are trying to accomplish. It was the H.R. 3755. It passed in the House. All Democrats except for one. Thank God for at least that one Democrat in Texas that didn't vote for it. But it unlikely and hopefully and prayerfully will not pass in the Senate. But it did pass in the House. And you know what it was? It was basically making abortion possible up to birth. 
Andrew Clyde says, quote, I have on the floor, he said, I have and always will be a strong defender of the sanctity of life and stand in strong opposition to the Democrats' abortion on demand bill. And I'm thankful that I have a congressman that will stand on the House floor and say that very thing. We pray, need to pray for him and pray for our, our uh, government officials and the servants from our community. But we as a church need to stand up too. I'm thankful for ones that have volunteered at the pregnancy uh, resource centers that we support. The hope that is in commerce. I know several of you have. Some are even helping in Athens. I know she wouldn't help mind me saying this, but if any of you ladies here have an interest in being involved in that type of ministry, talk to Lori Brand. She is faithfully serving in some of these pregnancy resource centers that are helping women make the right decisions and keeping their baby, and they're able to encourage them. You get involved with that. You participate. Be a voice that stands up for these precious babies. As I and I, I share this with you because it's just. Something that, that God used, even as I reviewed the message last night, I just heard the precious cry of Chloe Joy in the background. I just thought to myself, God, thank you. Thank you for that precious life. There's so many more that want to be born and would love to have been, been born in this earth, but their lives are being taken because they don't have a voice. But God's people can give a voice. God's people can pray. God's people can make a stand. And I certainly hope that we will. You see, not only defending the helpless, the oppressed, the abused, but I think about defending those that have been abused in ways that would not be appropriate for me to talk about this morning. I'm talking about God's people speaking up, even if yourself have been abused or being abused. There's a such thing called accessory after the fact. And that is for someone who knows that they, someone is being abused and they do not say anything. They close it up and do not speak up on the behalf of that person. It is wrong. It is illegal. And if you do not report it to the appropriate authorities, you're also guilty of not saying anything. And it is appalling to see the cover-up that takes place uh, for sex offenders. Now, we see it in the corporate, the corporate world. We see it in the sports world. I think of Jerry Sedunsky uh, years ago, and then the Joe Paterno, a man who uh, was a man of integrity that we believed and, and thought of as a, uh, the greatest coach of ever. And it comes out that he did not speak up like he should. By his own admission, he even said, I regret that I did not say more. And as God's people, we have a voice to speak up. And we will never cover up. It is wrong to cover up sexual abuse in any way. And worse yet, it happens in churches. Cover-ups. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, and leaders. I tell you, it's wicked and it's wrong. The church must stand unequivocally against this type of sin. And I want to say just publicly, if you have been abused, as difficult as it may be, speaking up, you speaking up and using your voice will likely prevent others from being abused. And here at Crooked Creek Baptist Church, we stand by you. 
And I understand a lot of these times there has to be an investigation, and I believe there should be. It's only right. But I tell you what, there better be an investigation. There should be questions asked. Because we care. It just breaks my heart just hearing of recently. A pastor up north of a strong Bible-believing church was not guilty of it himself, but he knew of some situations in the church. And he did not speak up. He had to resign. we got to speak up. Speak up. Predators need to be brought to justice, if it's indeed true. And they can find forgiveness too, praise God. Anybody can find forgiveness in Christ, but there needs to be accountability. Just like a woman that has an abortion, going back to that point, praise God, she can find forgiveness and total restoration through the blood of Christ. The Lord loves her. She can continue on by the grace and the fullness of God's power. We as God's people need to realize that this is going to come from the Lord working in our hearts, knowing when to speak up. I read that verse one time that just recently. It talked about, I don't have it right here in front of me, so I probably will not quote it, but the idea is, he that covers a transgression seeketh love. And uh, someone may use that as a point to, hey, let's just cover up this sin. Because we really love this person. I want to tell you, that is a demonic twist in the context of abuse. That is in the context of what we were talking about before. Brother, sister has sinned. It's a private matter. You can go to them. It's not a, there's not, not been a crime. There's not been abuse. You go to that person. Instead of announcing it to the world, you go to them. And you, you, the idea of covering is you don't let it be known publicly. That sin between you and that person. You see. You should offer that forgiveness. And it's done in a private setting. But that's, that's not the context of an, a person who's being taken advantage of and abused. There's got to be accountability. Authorities need to be involved. And I believe God is honored through that. Number nine in closing. Don't close your Bibles yet, though, because we still got four more points. We need to speak up when you don't know what to do. There are times in our Christian life, brethren, we don't know what to do. Some of you right now are facing some things you don't really know what to do. You've got to speak up on that. And let me tell you what I mean by speaking up. First of all, you talk to God about it. Come to Him with your burden. Come to Him for wisdom. But then you have, you have clear instruction in Scripture that you need to speak up and talk to others. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your Sunday school teacher. Talk to your parent. Talk to your spouse. Talk. Speak up. you got a burden. You don't know what to do. Question marks. Speak up. Get the spiritual advice you need. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. 
but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Thank God for people of God that I can go to and say, Sir, I don't know what to do here. My own mother. I'd, I'd call my dad all the time, but dad's in heaven now. And I don't have that privilege anymore of calling dad. I used to call him all the time. My dad was a very wise man. But now sometimes I'll call my mom. Sometimes I'll talk to my wife. Sometimes I'll talk to a brother. You may be sitting here this morning. And we ought to make it a habit of going to other spirit-filled believers, other people, and getting counsel. Instead of letting these question marks just stay closed up and thinking you're going to get it all figured out by yourself, get surrounded by some godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. It's like some of you that maybe have experienced this, but it's like somebody going to the doctor, and you go to several doctors, because the first one, you're like, "Mm, I ain't sure about that. You say, I think I need to get a second opinion. And you go to the next one. And maybe you go to several because it's some situation that's strange and unique to you. And I've, I've talked to several's recently that they've gotten a lot of tests run because they just don't know what's going on. And so they go to several different doctors to, to see what's going on. And hey, listen, you want a clear diagnosis. Well, I want to tell you something. By going to a multitude of counselors, it will help you. You didn't mean you're going to go with what this guy said. You might. Or what this guy said. You might. But you know what? You take all of it considered after you've talked to the Lord, you've talked to them, and then you make a decision by faith. And God will honor you in that. But sometimes God's people are so prideful that they won't hardly talk to anybody about direction in their life. And they get themselves in a mess. May the Lord help us. By the way, you're never too old or too smart to get counsel from others. Next point is we need to speak up when evil is exalted. When evil is exalted around us, God's people need to stand up and, and speak against it. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. We're seeing some of that firsthand, are we not? In our society? Well, we can't get quiet. It's no time to retreat, brethren. And by the way, it's a time to go forward. With power. We're, hey, listen, I'm excited about coming in the year 22, but even before then, in the next few months, we're going to be stepping out by faith and we're going to be doing some other things. We're going to actually be going out and start knocking on doors again. We're going to start going visiting neighborhoods again. On the near horizon, be aware, because what do we believe? We believe that the answer is not in Washington, D.C., although we're thankful, but the answer is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who it is. And you let anything else convince you of otherwise, my friend, you have been deceived. The answer is in the gospel. And I'm thankful we have it. And God says go with it. I'm thankful for men like John the Baptist, who spoke up when evil was exalted, even it meant his own head, meant his life, so many others. Speak up. 
Sometimes it'll cost you a job, maybe. Sometimes it'll cost you a friend. Sometimes it'll cost you being popular with your own family members. I don't know what the case may be, but I will tell you this. God's people need to speak up when evil is exalted and we need to stand against it. We need to stand up against it. We need to stand up against evil, not only in our society, but even if we see evil in our church, we need to be willing to stand up against it. Say, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. Maybe somebody's speaking evil. Now, there's a proverb, I don't know right where it is, but it says when someone comes to you and speaking evil, you know what the Bible says? Give them an angry look. I can't think of the verse. But a... A mad countenance is the idea when somebody comes speaking evil of somebody else. Some of you have no problem doing that. Then there's some here today, maybe. You need to speak up. Because you don't know if you're saved or not. And the Bible says that in order for a person to be saved, they have to speak up and realize that they're a sinner. That they come short of the glory of God. And a lot of times, even church members who maybe have made a profession of faith down inside, they don't even know if they're saved, they're doubt. But they refuse to speak up and get their heart and mind clear and get that matter settled before God. And if you're here this morning, friend... And you are having doubts about whether or not you're born again. Whether or not if you were to die today, where you're going to spend eternity. Can I urge you with all that I can, please speak up. Talk to someone. I will talk with you. Somebody will talk with you to help you work through that. So that you can get that matter settled. And I believe that God will honor you when you speak up and admit your need for the gospel. Well, I've probably said enough. I trust that God will take His Word and use it in our hearts today. Would you pray with me?